0: Everyone, you're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Well, today we're embarking on a series uh, called "Gambling, Gambling with God." Life is a gamble. If you really take a step back and think about it. We're rolling the dice. We're putting the cards on the table. We're risking a lot. Some people say, I'll just minimize my risk. I'll stay home in my cocoon of comfort. We'll read the statistics, do some research. It's as risky staying home in your cloistered environment as it is riding a fat boy on the freeway. That's a Harley Davidson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so life is all about risk. I read this past week as I was doing research on gambling that we lose, we lose, Americans lose $119 billion a year just on gambling. I'm talking about casinos and the one-armed bandits and football games and blackjack and so forth and so on. It's probably more than that. We just don't really realize it. What does it mean to gamble? When I say the word gamble, what do you think about? To gamble means to risk. There would be no such thing as risk if there weren't anything such as uncertainty. In other words, because there's ignorance, there's risk. If things were certain in life, then there would be no risk. I would argue, since we're made in God's image, we're made with this desire to risk. That's why we like to do risky things. That's why a lot of us are adrenaline junkies. That's why we like to watch the game or jump on the mountain bike trail or hit the surf or or whatever we do. We love to take that risk. Have you ever risked anything spiritually because I think the spiritual risk is really where it's at. There's a sense of the unknown, right? There's a sense of ignorance. Like for example, I can plan something for tomorrow, so can you, but there's a squillion things that can change my plans and that can shatter your plans as well. Life is a risk. What have you risked for God? As I think back just on the history of fellowship, what a risk to start this church. I had no idea what a risk it was. I remember asking Dad, who is also a pastor, he's been a pastor for 50 some odd years, and he pastors one of the largest churches in America. He has for the last, I don't know, 30 years, I guess, if you keeping stats. When, when, when I came up here to Dallas-Fort Worth, I said, Dad, what do you think about us starting this church? He said, well, you have a great chance of failing. I said, that's it? That's all you've got? He said, no, there's a chance you will succeed, but I'll tell you that 90% of church plants, church starts, don't make it. All right. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Obviously, we roll the dice, we put the cards on the table, and because of the risk, this righteous risk, this gamble not with God, but for God, look what happened. Gambling for God is a good thing. Righteously taking that risk, rolling the dice, hedging your bets on God is a good thing because in God's economy, we're always gonna hit the jackpot. The house always wins. Jesus built the house, the house, the body of Christ. I would clap if I were you. The house always wins. But here's something we have to understand. It does not mean that if we just risk here and risk there for God, that we're going to hit the jackpot just right after we risk. Sometimes the jackpot will not really be in full effect until the other side. However, we should live a life of risk because there is uncertainty. We should risk The Bible, of course, calls a lot of this faith. If you go back in the history of God's people to, for example, the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapters 13 and 14, I'll give you just a quick highlights as we concentrate on several verses. And again, I want you to think about risk-taking. You remember this quintessential risk-taker, Moses. Moses did something that was risky. If you want to talk about gambling for God, Moses walked into Pharaoh's office and basically said, Pharaoh, because his people had been in Egyptian slavery for hundreds of years, Moses said, Pharaoh, let my people, God's people go. Let them go. He didn't do it. And God supernaturally bombarded them with all these plagues, plagues of frogs and plagues of locusts and plagues of blood. It was a sight. Finally, Pharaoh acquiesced because Moses risked the reward was Pharaoh said, Get out of here. Go ahead and go. So Moses, that's right, another risk taker for God. Moses said, Okay, I'm gonna lead a couple million Jews from Egyptian slavery to this promised land. God says, You you can you can take it to the bank. You can hedge your bets on me and my promises. The promises of God will be fulfilled and ultimately in eternity. So we can bank on that. God told his people in no uncertain terms, I've got this land for you, this land flowing with with milk and honey My man Moses. Moses, you are the risk taker, you're the leader because when God has a plan, he picks a man or a woman. Moses leads them out of Egyptian slavery. Well, you probably know the story. I'll give you the cliff notes. They were facing an ocean, a sea, the Red Sea, and the Egyptian army woke up and, 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 and smelled the coffee and, and they began to chase the Israelites down. Moses took the risk again because the mountains were to his right. The sea was right in front of him and, and then the army was behind him. So he parted, God parted the Red Sea. Pretty supernatural stuff, acts of God stuff. He risked it and he stepped out, and God parted the sea, and all the people saw it. Yay, God, yay, God, yay, God. So the plagues, miracles. Parting the Red Sea, that is the bona fide miracle. Then the people began to complain several days later because they're hungry. No, you know, you Moses was like, wait a minute. God has just done all the supernatural stuff. Parted the Red Sea, and you want food? Well, God delivered food. Any hunters in the midst of, of, of fellowship? Anybody like to bird hunt? I'm not a big hunter, it's okay, yeah. People hunt birds and, 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 and God, obviously an expert hunter, a bunch of quail began to drop from the sky and they had the protein, read your Bible. The Israelites were just you know munching on all the, all the good old quail and then he, he dropped bread from the sky, manna. The, 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 the phrase manna simply means what is it? It's kind of a carb. So, so they had protein and carbs and, and then water. So it was, it was going along pretty well. It was supposed to be a 10 day journey from Egypt to the promised land. Just, just 10 days yet they're going to come to a point. That's right. God's people are going to come to a point where they've got to really, really gamble. So they make it to this place called Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea is in the southern region. It's right on the edge and the ledge of the promised land. It's a very, very important town. And this town, and the word Kadesh simply means holiness or wholeness. It means life. And I love it because God always takes all of us to a Kadesh. He always takes all of us to that place, that defining moment, that town where everything comes down. You know what I'm saying to you? That place, that opportunity where we've got to either fish or cut bait, where we either roll the dice or retreat, where we either gamble or like, man, I'm, I'm out of here, God. Kadesh was the place. It was the, it was the town, the showdown in Kadesh. Here is, you thought I'd never get to it. Here is how to risk for God. Here is how to risk for God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers 13, verses 25 through 28. Number one, risk, or you could say gamble. Risk, I'm gonna say, facing the unknown. Risk facing the unknown. That's what happened at Kadesh. When was the last time you risked and if something was unknown out there? Now now remember, Moses was a stand-up leader. He had the facts, read about it. He had the feelings, he had the faith to step out. Because in Numbers chapter 13, verses 25, after 40 days of exploration, I mean, you're talking about due diligence, Moses sent out 12 spies from the 12 tribes to do a reconnaissance mission from Kadesh, they left and did this reconnaissance mission in the promised land to make sure everything was okay. Before you take a risk for God, do your homework. I mean, we we have a brain, right? Use it. That's why common sense is so uncommon. Have you noticed that? Most of the people that I know who walk with God, I said most of them who really walk with him, they have unusual common sense. Well, it comes from God. God gives us sense. That's why when when we always say to to one another, man, the world's going crazy. Well, it should be going crazy because if Jesus is not Lord of someone's life, they have a form of insanity. I know that sounds radical, but just test it. You'll see. So risk facing the unknown. The spies go out, they're gone for 40 days. Say 40 with me. They come back and the people are in a frenzy. The Israelite band, when 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 they saw the spies were coming back, they knew it was time to go to the promised land. The Israelite band were like, bum, 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 bum. The spies are back. The spies are back. That ain't no jack. Bum, bum, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody was going nuts. Everybody was going crazy. Everybody was clapping. Everybody was celebrating. Everybody was high-fiving everybody. They were like, oh, we hit the jackpot. Man, we're going to cash in all the chips now. The spies are back. We've done the due diligence. Now all we got to do is take the promised land. This land promised to us by God himself is going to be incredible. But wait a minute. After 40 days of exploration, they were turned back. And and it says in, in the Bible, they were at Kadesh. Remember that? On the edge and ledge of the promised land. And if you skip down, it says... We arrived. Here's the spies. are talking to everybody in Israel. We arrived in the land you sent us. And picture a big PA system because it's a mountainous range. It was probably like, We arrived in the land you sent us to see. See, see. And it is indeed a magnificent country. Re, re, re. Everybody was like, Whoa. The land flowing with milk and honey. Honey, honey. But. Watch out for those butts. But the people living there, the spies are saying this. On one hand, they're like, oh, this is amazing. I love this tract of land, God. You're so good. And all of a sudden, but, but, uh, the people living there, yeah, they're powerful and their cities are fortified and very large. In fact, we measured them. I'm sure they had some bean counters there and some architects. Uh, they were 25 feet tall and 20 feet thick. And of course the giants were there, the giants of Anak. And you know, Anak, uh, Goliath came from Anak. So I'm not sure we can do battle with them. I'm not sure we can enter the octagon and beat these guys. I feel we should go back. What? We should go back to Egypt. That's what they said. You've got to be kidding me. Go back. Just just remain in this sort of cocoon of comfort, this mirage of safety. How many of us live that way? I want to play it safe. Don't push me out of my comfort zone. God says, I'm going to give it to you. Roll the dice. Take the risk, I'm gonna give it to you. And the people began to lose it. Ten of the 12 spies went negative. But I got some good news for you. Two of the 12 spies, we name our kids after them Joshua and Caleb. You know what they did? They rolled the dice and they gambled for God. They stood up and they were like, come on, man. And that brings me to something else, the second thing I'm gonna to talk to you about, about taking a risk. Risk, when you take a true risk for God, you're gonna risk losing friends. They put leadership above friendship. They put the call of God before the wrong they in their life. Who are they? The wrong they always have something to say And you'll become prey, P-R-E-Y, if you listen to them. The right they always have a he in the middle. And they pray. And the right they, T-H-E-Y, T, they're tough. H, they're honest. E, they're encouraging. Y, they're yielded to God and to you. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians that bad company corrupts good morals. Are they building you up or tearing you down? Joshua and Caleb were like, what are these people doing? So let's let's, let's check out what they said. But Caleb, you gotta love him. I like Caleb. He said, okay, oh, Caleb to God. Every time, oh, Caleb, oh, Caleb. Oh, Caleb reassured the people. He's like, guys, chill. As they stood before Mo, let us go up at once and possess it. But we're able to conquer it, not against people as strong as they are, the negative people said, vision vandals, you know, wah, wah, wah. They could crush us. So the majority report of the spies was negative, and that was before social media. <laughs> and it says, this, this last part is funny, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. What do grasshoppers do? They hop and jump and spit. What do negative people do? Hop and jump and spit like grasshoppers. And here are all these people. They're all up in the, in the, in the Joshua and Caleb and Moses and Aaron grill. They, they don't carry their mantle. They're all going negative. They're scaffolding. Scaffolding is the stuff they put around buildings as they build buildings. And then once the building is built, they just take it apart. I'm telling you, certain people in your life, certain friends in your life, certain acquaintances in your life are scaffolding. Scaffolding. Don't be shy to take down the scaffolding. Not in the mean way, not in a condescending way. You've gotta take it down to build up the right relationships, the foundations that you built and that you have in the house. Because remember, the house always wins. So risk facing the unknown, risk losing friends. Here's another one, number three. Risk being real in front of others. Those of us, and, and hopefully you're gambling for God with me, you know, I try to, I, I I risk being real, so do you, in front of others. Now, I'm not saying to, to, to just spill your guts out to anyone you see. I am telling you, though, that part of living an authentic Christian life is this thing called confession, this thing called vulnerability, and from confession and vulnerability and affinity, we have accountability. So the Bible says we have to risk it. And and here's what happened in Numbers 14, verses five through eight. Then Moses and Aaron, you're talking about being vulnerable, after hearing this negative junk and funk, they fell face downward on the ground before the people. Mahari my heart goes out to him. Two of the spies, the J-man, Joshua and Caleb, ripped their clothing, a sign of remorse. And then they said again, he'll bring us safely into the land and give it to us. So are you real in front of others? That's why we offer so many great things here at Fellowship. Small groups, mid-sized groups, men of the house, flavor, these classes, that we've just started serving, all of our serving teams here at all of our different locations, that's part of taking a risk. That's part of gambling for God. That's part of seeing your abilities and your creativity. It's part of seeing God show up. It's just part of getting out of the doldrums. It's part of living not in a rut, but on a whole nother level. That's the way God wants us to live. Number four, got to be willing to risk the possibility of failing. That's what I love about fellowship. We don't mind failing. We failed at a lot of stuff. We try different ideas, different thoughts, different concepts, different campuses, different stuff, and we always say, hey, if you like to fail, you're at home at fellowship, because everything we try doesn't always work, but at least we're trying And God wants us to try. So risk the possibility of failing. I remember one time we started these simultaneous services back in the day. We had a location uh, in one place and another location about a minute walk from the other one. And we tried to do worship at the start of one and speaking at the start of the other. And then speaking at the end of the other and worshiping at the end of the other. It was a failure. So... What am I saying? I'm saying, try something, try something so crazy, so risky that God's going to have to show up to take you through it. Numbers fourteen thirty four and thirty five. Since the spies were in the land for forty days, and see, they said, no, no, no. Finally, they said, no, we ain't going into the promised land. We're going to stay here in the cocoon of Kadesh. All the people said that. That's how negativity can spread, and poor. Aaron, poor Moses, poor Caleb, poor Joshua. Well, well, since the spies, God says, were in the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Ouch. What did God say? You're going to get a greater measure of what you wanted. And if you read the Bible 10 times, they diss God. And finally, God's patience runs out. And that's not a popular thing. We don't put that on coffee mugs. Christian songs aren't about that. We don't worship. God will lose his patience one day. No, that's not popular. It's biblical, though. And we don't know how long God's fuse is. I'm just glad God was patient enough to rescue me, aren't you? So so God's patience ran out. He's like, man, this ain't going to work. Again, they're still at Kadesh. So since the spies were in the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, bearing the burden of your sins, (gasps) consequences. Well, how about God? I thought he's a forgiving God. He is, but he doesn't take away the consequences. I will teach what it means to reject me. I, Jehovah, have spoken. Every one of you who's conspired against me shall die here in this wilderness. Look at verses 40 and 41 of Numbers 14. They were up early the next morning. Lord, here's your cappuccino. We're ready. Go team, go. And they started toward the promised land. Here we are. We realize we've sinned, but... Now we're ready to go on into the land the Lord has promised us. But Moses said it's too late. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's what they say. It's brilliant marketing. And on one hand, that's true. Some of it does stay in Vegas. But the reality is, it stays with you and it stays with me. The Israelites were like, oh, what happened? What happened in Kadesh stays in Kadesh. God said, yeah, I mean, that's the defining moment. Town, that's Shy town but no, it's in your life, that rebellion. So I'm simply giving you a greater measure than what you desired. And I believe that's a foreshadowing of hell. People say, how could God slam dunk people to hell? He doesn't. He simply gives us a greater measure than what we desired. I would say theologically, you could say that God rolled the dice, that God is a gambler. He made you and me with the freedom of choice, the risk of sending Jesus to redeem us and to rescue us and giving us the opportunity to take a step of faith and know him, and then saying, oh yeah, this is the body of Christ, this is my house, and I'm leaving the responsibility up to flawed and fallible human beings to share the good news. It's pretty risky. Gamble for God. Roll the dice for him. Put the cards on the table for him. Because the house always wins. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, God, you're so good to us. I thank you for making us people who can experience this exhilarating, abundant life, this risk-taking life. And it's my earnest prayer, if you're here today or one of our many different locations and you want to roll the dice by faith and take the risk and receive Christ, you can do so. I mean, face it, you've tried everything else. Why not try this? Yeah, I'm not sure about everything, you know what? There's always going to be something unknown out there. It's up to you to risk. And you can make this risk and take this risk by saying, God, I give my life to you. I admit to you that I've tried this, I've tried that, and I want to turn to you. I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, Lord. I give my life to you. If you just prayed that prayer, you hit the jackpot. No doubt about it. You're talking about risk-reward, you have received the reward and you'll discover it more and more in this life and even in the next reality. Maybe you're at fellowship and you're a believer, but you feel like you're in a casket. You're in a rut. And a rut, someone says, is like a casket with the ends blown out. You're just doing the same old, same old stuff. Well, it's time to risk it. It's time to gamble in the context of this house, to discover your gifts, to discover creativity, to discover God's power as he shows up. Maybe it's getting involved in one of the groups. Maybe it's serving in one of the many areas. Maybe it's rolling the dice financially as you begin to tie I don't know. But God, we give this time to you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. And thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional.